Welcome to Pixelated Realms, your guide through the digital landscape, untangling the mysteries of your favorite video game titles and discussing the latest and greatest in video game fun. I'm your host, Alex Salerno, and alongside me is my brother, Tyler, and my good friend, Dustin. Hey, guys. Welcome back. Welcome back. Good to be here. You didn't shout out my Loki, though. Okay. And the Loki alligator (laughs) and a couple of cats. (laughs) Sophie and Cal. (laughs) Did I miss anything? Is that it? Are you guys are you guys done? Uh, no, <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, sufficient. Thank you for the uh, the grade. All right, what have you guys been up to? How's it going? This week, well, there's been a lot going on in video gaming this week. Um, as you know, as my brain tends to go, I I keep switching, you know, uh, from game to game to game, just because there's so many releases, there's so many things I want to try. You know, I I try so hard to beat the games that I play, but as I'm sure many uh, people can relate to, I I fail most of the time. So, uh, yeah, bad financial decisions. You two one are after definitely another. brothers because Alex sounds like is a good same shit. <laughs> I can't help it. I can't help it. All right. There's just too many good games out there. I want to play them all. And there's not enough time. I need one of those like Dragon Ball Z pods that you can go in and play games in instead of training and actually, you know, benefiting myself. I just play video games in it all day. Yeah. You guys have the I opposite agree. of um, this article I just seen about why all these layoffs are happening. And somebody was talking, oh, some executive was like, oh, it's because people are just sticking with like their old games that they love instead of buying <laughs> new games. It's like, not these two guys. That's why we started a podcast. No, seriously, that's why we started a podcast. I was like, I switch games so much, and I have opinions on all of them. Why don't we talk about it every week? So, yeah, no, it's 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 totally the reason why we're here today, talking about it. Um, Lately, I've been playing two games almost almost uh, exclusively, and I I think that's going to be a big topic of conversation today. I've been continuing. To, well, I'm sorry. Do you want to jump in or do you want to hit some housekeeping? Well, I just want to do our quick agenda then. So we're going to be talking about a little bit of Helldivers. We might talk a little bit about Xbox. Maybe, maybe not, honestly. And then we're definitely going to talk about Skull and Bones. Tyler has been diving into that. And I'm assuming that's what you're about to talk about. Yes. So I was going to mention essentially what you just mentioned as well. I've been playing a lot of Helldivers 2. Um, I know Alex and a couple of our friends have been playing with us as well. For um, democracy. For for liberty and democracy, baby. I mean, it's... I'm doing my I part. Don't, I think there's so <laughs> many... I think there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Helldivers. I think it's an extremely successful game and a str- extremely successful gameplay loop. I think we can we can chat about this in more detail. There's been uh, problems along the way, too. I mean, mm-hmm. they've been having some serious server problems, ca- uh, capacity problems, uh, bugs in general, you know, just those kind of things. Um, so, yeah. Was that, uh, was that a pun? Because of the yeah. bugs? Bug enemies? Bugs in the system. Yes, literally. <laughs> um, so I think that'll be fun to talk about. And then the other one I want to spend a lot of time talking about is actually Skull and Bones. So mm-hmm. as our resident uh, pirate lover, pirate game lover here, uh, I I have played 10 hours of Skull and Bones over the last uh, two days. Uh, uh, it's been released since Thursday night, I want to say. And I've played 10 hours of it. Um, wow. So I have some thoughts. I want to share it. I think I'm going to have a couple of hot takes. I think people are going to be surprised by what I have to say. Hot takes um, on this so show? Before you dive oh, no. in there, I'm offended that you have that you have gone LeBron James and designated yourself as the 
resident pirate game lover yeah. when we both smoke you in hours on Sea of Thieves. We probably okay, okay, have okay, like okay, 400, okay, okay. 500 hours in Sea no, of Thieves. Neither so. of these gentlemen you're listening to, other than myself, have played Assassin's Creed black flag ladies and gentlemen so games. i better if there's not a single comment about how ridiculous these these fools are that i am podcasting with <laughs> i quit okay okay but okay are we are we determining pirate the amazing pirate game amazingness to how many games or how many how many hours we're putting in because that Both. totally changes the game Both. because <laughs> How I many hours of Sid Meier's Pirates do you have? How many hours oh, of Sid Meier's Pirates? Actually, uh, you would be surprised. That was one of my favorite fucking games when it came <laughs> I out. I know. When I was like <laughs> 15. <laughs> that game I love it. So amazing. we're going to have a hot debate later uh, about pirate games and, and who's better and whose opinion makes more sense. So stick yes, around. Yes. But first, I, I want to talk about um, everybody needs to go right now and join the army and defend Super Earth because Helldivers 2 is just such a fucking golden egg of a game. Oh, oh, there's a cat. And uh, <laughs> that this game is awesome. And I feel like I'm doing my part every fucking time I drop into a goddamn planet. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I Dustin, you don't have it, right? I don't think so. This is you're just kind of watching from the outside. But this game is a phenomenon and I love every bit of it. And it it. I, I want to take a part of this and bring it over to our Black Flag discussion because this is a $40 game. The yeah. loop is extremely simple. It is, this is the game loop. You are, you are a, a hell diver. You are this quote unquote elite soldier, but you're basically cannon fodder. And you drop into a planet and your goal is to complete a mission, whatever it is, and to push back the enemy on this global campaign. But the beauty, but, and so you're like, there's not much to it. That's it. But the beauty of it is that simplicity, is the camaraderie that you feel with the other players, is how satisfying the gameplay is and how satisfying it is and how hard it can be and the yeah. crazy situations you can be in. And I, I want to, and the reason I'm saying this is because I want to bring it over to the Black Flag when we talk about how long that game has been a development and like its ups and downs. Skull and, stuff and like Bones that. is what you're referring to. What did I say? Black Flag? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Skull and Bones. I meant every time. I'm probably going to do that again. Every time I say Black Flag, I really mean Skull and Bones. So it, it's like to make a good game can be very simple. And it's like you have to focus on what makes it fun first and then add all the shit later. And this game does that so good. And it makes it puts you in this environment where you're just like you do feel that stupid bullshit patriotism propaganda that they feed into you at a certain point and you're like yeah i'm defending super earth like this is so fucking cool like you feel that and they do it's such yeah. a good job yeah. patriotism I mean, I... is a virtue of the vicious <laughs> well okay if i may step back a little bit here um as we kind of i think we hinted on it last week in our discussions although we might have uh not done it explained it very well in hell divers you are part of a uh, a military a world super earth military that has access to a wide variety of planets and systems and currently in the game there's two main enemy types you have access to these bug uh kind of starship trooper bug-esque enemies and you have access to an area that's infested by uh robot terminator-esque uh enemy uh combatants and yeah. i think where where hell divers really shines and 
anyone who's listening so far might say, well, you know, it sounds like a game. You go in, you shoot some guys, and you get out. But what really, really shines and what really works is the fact that this is a community-driven map and campaign. I am so engaged and I am drawn to play every day because I want to see what the most the current progress is on our liberation front. Yep. So for example, I logged in yesterday morning and I saw that there was a new campaign. We the automatons have intact uh, intact attacked a planet near our system. We need to go defend it. That creates now a campaign that all players can participate in and we have to work together to defend said planet by doing missions um to accomplish a greater goal. And that kind of progression now, now, just to finish out my thought here, that kind of progression is great and is in several types of games, but I've never had a game that I feel like nails it so well in the mm-hmm. sense that, one, if I don't get to that campaign, I don't feel like I missed out. But if I do participate in that campaign, I feel like I have contributed. And that mm-hmm. is something really, really hard to accomplish in games like this. Either you're going to feel way left out when you do start playing the game. Or you're going to feel like what you do doesn't make any impact. And I feel like both of those actually work really well. You, mm-hmm. Every mission you do, you get a certain percentage towards you know helping your, the goal. Um, but the goals are small enough to where like if you bought the game today, you don't feel like you're getting you know brought into something you don't understand. Uh, mm-hmm. So that I think is really unique. And I'm really – it's something that keeps me playing. Because I am so if, – if if this game was just a game where you drop in, you shoot some guys, you pull back out, you repeat, I would get bored pretty easily. Like you'd probably get me 20 hours in and I'd be like, okay, cool. I had fun, but that's all I'm going to get out of this. This game I see progressing further than that because I am constantly wondering what's happening on the map. I'm constantly mm-hmm. looking for that third uh type of enemy that we're going to face they're called the illuminati i found out mm-hmm. um so i'm excited for that i'm excited for the new equipment that they're going to be bringing in um like i heard there's going to be vehicles i heard there's going to be you know additional types of support and airstrikes all of that is is super exciting to me because the gameplay is just fun yeah and above all that my last thing i will say is it is just so damn every single time you call in an airstrike it is fun Yes. Every single time. Yes. So it's got that going for it. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you said. And like, it's come to this point of this phenomenon. And I, I feel like not enough games do this kind of thing where they like, it's a community based PVE game. That's like a mass co-op is how I would describe it. It's a yep. mass co-op game and there's been a few attempts at things like this, but it's honestly very rare to see games that try and do this. And to me, this is, this is what differentiates like a live service game from a non live service game. And we could kind of debate like the MMO versus live service title, but I'm just going to say live service, but like, this is a live service to me because it is a living world that you are participating in on a, but on your small little scale, you are contributing in your small little thing to the point of now. And I don't know if you guys have seen this, but I love this fact. So the game is currently not on Xbox. It's on steam. It's on, um, playstation uh, yeah and playstation and it's a sony yeah because yeah, <laughs> it's sony studios and people are online are like hey we're losing this front on the automate on this latest campaign we need to recruit the xbox people because we need help <laughs> and so people are doing this big campaign online trying to convince playstation to allow xbox to bring the game because they're like we need more people and that kind of camaraderie is hilarious and awesome and uh even i think phil's 
maybe not Phil Spencer, but somebody at Xbox responded and been like, you know, there's really no reason Helldivers isn't on Xbox and basically <laughs> calling out PlayStation saying like, you guys should reach out to us. Um, so I would be, you know, I mean, I, that kind of decision takes a really long time, but I wouldn't be surprised if eventually it does come to Xbox, um, even though it's a PlayStation title because of the, this kind of like, you know, people are like, hey, we need we need more people. And if you look at the numbers on Steam, the p- numbers aren't going down. They beat Destiny in the total maximum number of concurrent players. They beat Starfield. Good. Yeah, right. They beat Starfield. Good. And um, yeah, these these aren't like the number one or number two titles, but they're very big AAA titles that have been going on for a very long time. Well, not Starfield, but Destiny has been going on for a very long time. And people are interested enough that this that they beat those. It What, the game's been out like not even a whole month? So it's, I mean, is, no, two weeks. Are, are PlayStation fans then less toxic than Xbox fans? Because <laughs> everyone on the Xbox side is freaking out about their exclusives coming to PlayStation. But then you have a PlayStation Sony studio game and they're like, please, we need Xbox players. Come to us, please. <laughs> what a beautiful transition. I, don't know. I feel like PlayStation <laughs> players don't care about Xbox exclusives, but Xbox players they care have about really PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like it's like we got ours covered. Xbox people are like, can we please have some though? So I don't know. People are toxic no matter what. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think that there are toxic cool. people, not everybody. But yeah, that's that's a good opportunity for us to transition over to a, another smaller story before we move on to the meat potatoes. So Xbox announced that four of their games are going to move over to other consoles, and honestly, to me, this was like a like who cares like whatever like a very small thing Nothing that ended burger. up. It's nothing a nothing burger. burger that got exploded into a giant something pizza. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why, but people are still on. And like, our, we talked about this in our last episode where we basically said like the console wars are over. They've been over. They haven't. They are. Like, no, nobody has cared the same way. It's not the early 2000s where it was like, you know, the only way to play your games was to buy on the consoles. It's like now there's so many different ways to play your games that to me, this is just like a non-issue. Like it makes total sense. And uh, to bring your games, even even certain like maybe not your title, your your flagship exclusives. Like I totally understand that because they feel like they have to differentiate somehow. But bringing over like the majority of your 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 catalog, I like there's no downside. Like I do not. It's, right. It's just more I mean, people, more exposure. Yeah, and I think the big fear from players is, right, is that, like, we are going to have, like, the next Halo, whenever that is, in, like, 20 years. Uh, It's, like, day one available PlayStation. And, like, that is what people, I think, the big fear is, right? Like, Mm -hmm. why would I need an Xbox if you're going to put your biggest titles out on PlayStation? But, like, we've seen during, like, the the very first off, let me just say, that press con, the podcast was kind of ridiculous, guys, because you made it seem like this interview, and anybody who works in the industry knows that was extremely scripted. So, Phil, when you're like, <laughs> that's a great question, it's kind of weird, dude, because <laughs> we all like know that it's not like that you knew that question was coming. So, um, he probably yeah. told them to ask it, <laughs> but, um, I totally forgot what I was going to say now because I that when I was watching I was like this is so dumb like this is nothing, just like nothing a, burger a, yeah um, I don't know I'll come back come back to me but doesn't it reinforce <laughs> the fact that the console wars are over if PlayStation's looking to come to Xbox and Xbox looks looking to come to PlayStation then it's about accessibility now and it's not about making sure the person who has that four hundred bucks is spending it on my console war you know yeah and like. 
it's all about business, right? It, the console wars happened in the day and age where people couldn't afford big computers. And honestly, even the games weren't on with the computers. So like, let's rule that out. And you would either play on Xbox or PlayStation because that's all you could afford. And their ecosystems, there was no cross play. So you couldn't play with your friends. And so most of the time, exclusives aside, you wanted to play with your friends. So you had to get the yeah. same thing as your friends. That's kind of what the console war was. And yeah. now with cross play, and digital and and technology all becoming like the the place the yeah. difference hardware wise between the PlayStation and the Xbox is like very little. It's almost none. They they and soft and any difference can be handled in software nowadays. Back in the day, it was like you had to compile it for a completely different type of architecture, which still is true. But now it's a lot easier to compile for both. And every single barrier that existed on the business end is now gone. And so any barrier that still exists is just this social barrier that people are having a hard time understanding that I can play this game that I love on Xbox on PlayStation and play with somebody on a different console. But I think that's why it's driving like the exclusivity conversation is driving so much of the console or conversation is because of what everything you just said, Mm -hmm. all these things that used to be focal points of the console war are no longer relevant. So the only thing you can really channel your energy on at this point is the accessibility to different games. So that's why they're probably like, if I can get all these games on PlayStation now, like why do I need an Xbox? Because there is no other different major difference Mm -hmm. between the consoles anymore. So, um, but they've also found a way to get consumers back into their pockets. So for example, I haven't bought an Xbox in years. Um, I, I, I don't think I've ever actually bought an Xbox myself. They're always either Alex's when we were growing up or <laughs> I stole my dad's when he didn't want it anymore. So I don't think I've ever actually bought an Xbox in my life. Um, and now I absolutely never will because I have Game Pass and I feel like Game Pass covers everything I need. So it's mm-hmm. they've decided we've discussed this in length last week and in previous weeks is they Xbox has changed their strategy. They're they're not mm-hmm. trying to fight for exclusives anymore. They're trying to make their their video games, and they're trying to make a platform almost like mm-hmm. Steam. And it's working, and mm-hmm. it's working really well. I'm not going to talk about that anymore because we've already kind of beat that into the ground. But um, I think, you know, that this is all just part of that. Like, it's basically now, like, them executing their game plan. PlayStation yep. and Xbox, they're no longer fighting. Now they're executing this PR game plan to try to shift into this, like, look at us we're working together now and it's you know whatever man it's just business they're just finding ways to make more money like we said it doesn't it's not like anyone's like mind changed or anything it literally is just like a, okay this is where our business direction had to go yeah that being said i would rather not talk about business i want to talk about video games okay okay <laughs> all right yeah we'll move on uh yeah xbox is doing <laughs> xbox stuff so let's talk about uh, who's the better pirate it's obviously me and dustin but you know, obviously, you guys are playing the wrong game. Obviously, so okay, so I'm I'm dropping my hot take, ladies and gentlemen. I have been playing Ubisoft's Skull and Bones. I waited eleven years. Eleven years. It's a lot of waiting from, for this game to drop. I was excited. I was disappointed. I the the trail of tears that led up to these eleven years. And frankly, it did not look like the inception of this game was going to be good. Um, It looked bad. The diagnosis was bad. The forecast was bad. Uh, The sales were not that great either. 
Um, and so I I played the uh, alpha. I played the closed beta. I also played the open beta. And uh, I felt once it got released this weekend that I had a obligation after investing all of this time and memory and thought to play this game. Ubisoft decided to make a smart move. They must have understood that their trust and faith in this community was uh, tarnished. So they are offering an eight hour free trial for Mm -hmm. the game, which, to be perfectly honest, was all I was willing to give them. So I signed up for the free trial. I started playing. Friday, I completed that eight hours of trial. (laughs) And I decided to purchase Ubisoft Plus, which was uh, basically $18, which allowed me then to play the full version of the game. I've now put in around 12 hours to the game. And I have got to say, hot take incoming. Skull and Bones is better than Sea of Thieves. Get the fuck out of here. You're fired. Get the fuck out of here. You're fired. <laughs> Prove me wrong. We, it already did. It doesn't have to. Uh, <laughs> that proof is in the pudding. It's, it's better now than Sea of Thieves now. I think it's uh, I think it's kind of like apples and oranges a little bit to me. Like, they're both pirate games, but I, I think that they're, like, trying to be completely different things. Uh, explain to me so so viewers um now that we know a little bit about let, let, let's set the stakes here they're not this listening little dynamic. They you out. <laughs> no no they're smart so they're definitely <laughs> listening this is how this battle is going to proceed tyler has has played skull and bones all weekend tyler has also played and beat assassin's creed black flag alex and dustin have never played assassin's creed black flag but they are legends in sea of thieves that's the the highest rank. So this is how this is going to proceed. They're going to argue in favor of Sea of Thieves. I'm going to argue in favor of Skull and Bones. And we're going to see who comes out on top. All right. All right. But before we dive in, I just want to say that we really appreciate those who followed us and subscribed to us. We post new episodes every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on podcast services and YouTube. You can find us on Instagram threads and YouTube at Pixelated Realms Podcast. If you want to ask us a question or leave a comment or recommend a topic to talk about, you can go to pixelatedrealms.org slash ask. That's A-S-K. Leave us a comment. We'll talk about it at the end of our show. Uh, yes. Somebody asked us a question. Can you run around on your ship as your character and board other ships? No, because that's a waste of time. You lose! Hey, sir! You is, lose. is the water as beautiful as Sea of Thieves? No, because the engine is you not as lose. good. <laughs> can you play can, missions yeah. about Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, Monkey Island? Uh, Disney sucks, so no. no. Oh, uh, you love Disney. You're now giving up your own morals okay, now, this you're, game. now you guys are just cornering me with licensing shit. I can't win against that. Okay, let's talk about can this. Can you so, drink so much beer that you okay. vomit into a bucket and then throw it on your friend? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, that's that might be either a missing feature or one I haven't run into yet. Okay, question. <laughs> counter, counter. Can you in any way upgrade any part of your ship character or anything else in a way that feels like you've progressed at all or made yourself better um you cosmetically you can no yeah that's called a fail mm-hmm. in my uh, hours of sea of thieves need to 
because you a game can't even be- upgrade when you upgrade your character, but you can't even fight with it. So what's the point? Oh, I mean, <laughs> looks wise for your character, but for my ship, Changing do you even do you guys even do you guys even have the ability to uh, modify your ship? Uh, is at weapons and armor. So that's a part of actually being able to play as your character on your ship is you have different cannonballs that you can incorporate into your cannons and you have to actually use some skill and, and change them mid-fight to whether you're going to knock down the mass or you're going to throw a firebomb or whatever it might be. So there's like 10 different cannons you can use or cannonballs. So yes, you can change the weapons. This is not a stupid upgrade. You have to fight for it. You go find these weapons and you can integrate them into your fight. Do you guys get to have your own opium den in Sea of Thieves? Ooh. Well, we're not uh, we're not like you know into <laughs> games that promote illegal drug use. <laughs> I was waiting for that. How about uh, there's how about a serious your own opioid rum? problem in the yeah. United States? We shouldn't be promoting that. <laughs> how about a rum distillery? Okay, I operate a, a trader out for a rum distillery that wow. automatically profits me. So but I can use drink the rum. <laughs> so i actually want to talk about this game a little bit because i don't i don't really know a lot about it and to be honest is i would totally play this does seem like a game i'd be interested in and i'm kind of waiting for it to mature just a little bit more before i jump in and i could i can be convinced to play it so i have a couple of questions so as the person who's never played it please i would love to be that person maybe our viewer for instance and like try and be convinced so it's, is it a $70 game? Uh, I it's believe a f- it's a $70 game. Now, you're asking the wrong person because I tried the eight-hour free trial, and then I paid $18 for one month of Ubisoft Plus, which gives mm. me access to the premium version of the game. I see. So to me, I'm, I'm making a month's worth of investment. If I'm still playing after a month, it'll be worth my $70. So that's, that's how that's I answer that question. I forgot yeah. that they had that. Uh, that's not actually a bad a bad like way to try it is because most i would be most games you don't play for more than a month um if for if you're not if you if you want to continue playing a game after eight hours i think that is a more than generous free offer as far as the full game it is Mm -hmm. the full game so for me i got to the eight hour mark and i said to myself i'm pretty unsat like i would like more time in this game okay it, it is they deserve some i'm sorry but if you guys don't think like 18 bucks is enough to throw someone for eight hours of entertainment you're a psychotic um yeah. like it's still like it, you go to the movies and you pay 18 dollars for a ticket right and that's two hours of entertainment okay so, hold on. so it's eight hours i don't have to pay for anything for free then completely free if i want to continue i pay 18 dollars and i can play for another for month. Ubisoft, a month of ubisoft plus but mm-hmm. or you can purchase the full game as regular. So you're you're actually selling me a little bit here because uh, my major barriers to this game, other than the fact of time, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna push that's that to the side for now because that's just yeah that's just a my it's just a problem everybody has, uh, and the fact that I want to dedicate all that time to Hell Divers. But so I was saying like uh, this game, like having watched like I don't know ten minutes of it, I wasn't sure if I was ready to drop the full amount of money on it just yet but the fact that you do get eight hours of time and you were right about the whole subscription and if i'm continuing to play for more than a month then i don't even have to buy the game i could buy a second month um and you know like you're still under it's still yeah so half right okay let me let me before you ask another question let me set the stage here so people understand what kind of game this was because this was first advertised 11 years ago as a multiplayer battleship 
like arena drop in, have a fight, drop out kind of game. It did not appear to be an open world trading dynamic game. And that is what it is. So let's mm-hmm. set the stage here. You drop into this game, you're a no-name pirate who nobody cares about, right? You're in the middle of some kind of job that's completely irrelevant. Um, you fight, fight, you get to test out what like a decent ship looks like, but eventually you are defeated and you are uh, you know, stranded on an island. So this starts you from the bottom and allows you mm-hmm. to come to the top, right? I mean, not a unfamiliar thing to video game players, but it works really well in the pirate atmosphere because... As I'm going to emphasize here, what this game, the reason this game is fun is because you can constantly progress. Mm-hmm. For me, Sea of Thieves doesn't work because I do not feel like I am progressing. So diving into the basics of this game, you are a stranded guy um, and they give you a dinghy, man. I mean, you just have a basically a rowboat and a, and a spear. I mean, that is where you start. Your, right. you can, the one piece beginning. Yeah, the One Piece beginning. So that's where you start. I mean, and with that spear and boat, um, it actually becomes your hunting boat later. So it's the boat you use to go after the vast, actually quite vast amount of wildlife that you can hunt in this game. Um, So I've had missions where I'm hunting hippos, crocodiles, uh, sharks, of course, and various other elements. Um, You a story begins, um, which I will be the first to say is not interesting. Um, it's the <laughs> characters aren't interesting. They're not memorable. Um, I'm frankly skipping through most of it. Uh, it's not interesting. So I'm just throwing the downsides out. I'm being frank. Um, so you start a story and you get yourself a small ship. Um, the small ship can finally get some guns and, and you can be a little bit more competitive. But from there and besides this kind of dull story you're experiencing, the game pretty much just opens up, and as you'll learn, you start to discover trade routes, you start to discover islands, you start to discover um, other settlements and places that you can go and trade. And and almost like Sid Meier's Pirates, if any of our viewers are old enough like we are to remember that game, it becomes a trading versus stealing sort of game and you actually do have this kind of like more moral pathway to accomplish something and you have a more criminal pathway to accomplish something and that part is actually quite fun so say i'm a plunge i go out with my ship and i start plundering some local ships that are low levels i notice they drop some kind of linen well, I might be able to sail halfway across the ocean and go to a place that actually really needs that linen and sell it for a higher price. And the game has a good UI to demonstrate this. And so there's just the basic structural elements to this game that I think would satisfy most players. Um, and you go through and, of course, you do this story mode and there's some cooler, more unique missions. Go kill this guy. Go, you know, kind of see this thing. Um, but that's the part of the game that's just fine to me. It's not terrible, but it's just Mm -hmm. fine. And everything else around it, doing the side missions, upgrading my specific cannons, upgrading my ship, finding the materials I need to craft new ships. uh, That has all been really fun. It's diverse. It's beautiful. um, It's interesting. There's a lot of real world, like in-game interactions that are fun. So I think initially this game's getting a lot of flack uh, for for what I might call a 7 out of 10. And a lot of people would say, well, that's not a good game. Yeah, it is. A mm-hmm. 7 out of 10 is like, this is pretty solid. I like this. I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, I hope you guys continue and do more. Um, so, yeah. Um, any? What's our next question here? Hit me with it. 
I'm just going to jump in and tell you from a PR perspective, someone who works on video game PR for a game that's like 11 years, it's rated as quadruple A. A seven gets Fake. people fired. Yeah. I'm serious. Um, like a seven, like a six, seven yeah. rating in the game that took this much time. Like that's like the studio head leaves the studio. Like, yeah, score. I mean, they've lost creative directors. They've lost basically every position. So I, I, there's no – there's certain elements about this game that definitely when you consider its development time do not add up. For me, if someone said we've de- developed this for three years and released it, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. The fact that this is was developed for 11 years does not – is not reflected in the game's quality. I wish we had like something that. that like was like showed – what has happened in our lives since the time this game started to be worked on? I was in college. It's like, like, yeah. it's I like, met yeah, my I wife, like had a kid. College, like, <laughs> I've been married for like almost 10 years now. Like, yeah. It must have been wife, a mess. Like... <laughs> but my point being is like, I don't know. I, I'm, the, I'm the trying to I'm, – I'm, I'm the kind of gamer who the more I'm told that I'm not going to like something, the more I want to go and try to play it with as open of a mind as possible. So yeah. when I played this game – I'm trying not to consider that everyone's gonna telling me it sucks. It sucks. It sucks. Not a way, you know. And and I'm like, well, if I'm enjoying myself, then that's fine, man. That that brings value to me. Absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, that is something that is kind of unique to the video game industry is that the social perception of a game affects the individual's perception of their experience of a game, and for a lot of people, and sometimes that can be overridden. But it's like if everybody says they hate the game and you go into it. You know, people are going to assume that the game sucks, even if you, you may have a good time and it's worth your money to play for a short period of time. But so um, one thing I want to ask you, Tyler, really quickly, please. sorry, Alex. Um, you're like you're a big turn-based guy, right? Very like, much so. It's my favorite so genre. I yeah. wonder if that's the difference here is that like being able to upgrade your cannons and like the fact that you don't like really run around your ship, like you're more controlling the battle. Like it feels yeah. like more like a, a game that would really. Benefit, or not benefit, but more like, strategy based than like yeah, people yeah. Uh, who like turn based yeah. might be like, oh, mm-hmm. this is great because I'm having to like think strategically, I'm having to figure out what weapons to upgrade. For someone like me who's like more hack and slash, I like to just run and swing my sword, fuck shit up. Like maybe that I gravitate yeah. towards Sea of Thieves more in that kind of combat mm-hmm. because it's a little bit more, more chaotic and yeah, and um, like oh now, shit, correct I, like, me, fucking put this fucking thing in the cannon. Correct like, me yeah. if I'm wrong here. Correct me if I'm wrong. To me, Sea of Thieves is a party based game. It's a game that you're supposed to be able to pick up and have fun, whether you've played one hour or a hundred hours. Mm-hmm. Skull and Bones is a progression-based RPG that is a game where you start out as a piece of crap and you slowly build yourself up to be the best pirate in the world. Yeah. I would say I think we could each agree that that is two different types of game, right? Regardless yeah. of their pirate similarity. I was gonna, I was gonna say that. So, like, I totally agree. I actually don't think. Black Flag and Sea of Thieves are comparable. They just happen to both be pirate games. Skull and Bones. Skull and Bones. Damn it. I did it again. Skull <laughs> and Bones and Sea of Thieves. Um, they seem to have a PR problem, Dustin. So, <laughs> because it's like... Un- I'm, <laughs> yeah, I am unable to dis- detach that name from the It also game. looks very like... like um assassin's creed in my opinion yeah well i mean all ubisoft games look the same it's the to same be engine yeah and but so my my point is i think they're very different so like if you're somebody who is like trying to figure out you know skull and bones versus sea of thieves they're not very comparable to be honest because like you were saying sea of thieves is supposed to be this kind of light loose funny goofy 
co-op experience where you can kind of you you have this chaos of your ship and you're trying to go through and, and the other there's players. no progression yeah. right there's there's no um sorry like rpg like progression and it's all for cosmetics and it's all just intrinsic right it's all for fun and um dustin and i for instance play that game because mostly because we can just chat while we're playing it and not give a fuck if we do good or not because yeah, it exactly. doesn't really matter uh skull and bones is totally the opposite where you're actually like uh want to progress your character and i agree some of sea of thieves downside is that it doesn't have good progression or didn't have good progression it's getting better certainly but i don't think that was ever their goal and people keep trying to pigeonhole the game into a category that it was never intended to be and people can't like wrap their head around that it's not that and skull and bones is like exactly what everybody kind of originally wanted and so if you're one of the people who doesn't like sea of thieves maybe this is a game for you because it's going to satisfy all those things and i yeah we say that you say that without like hate or malice i think that's actually a really it's just like i personally did not like sea of thieves but Mm -hmm. this game i do like so maybe yeah i I think that's i think like Fair one statement. The, yeah, I think one other thing to really think about too is, and I didn't play Sea of Thieves when it came out. I didn't play Sea of Thieves until probably like three or four years ago. It was definitely rougher know? then. Yeah. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've heard from people that when the game first came out, it was like very bare bones. So mm-hmm. it's a little there was unfair. No fishing, like, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. unfair to judge Skull and Bones right now, a game that's been out for a couple days, to a game Correct. that's been updated and continuously worked on for 10 years and got it to a point now where people are like, yes, this game is fucking amazing. But if you took mm-hmm. day one Sea of Thieves yeah. next to day one Skull and Bones, like, I don't think we'd be having the same conversation. No, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. And that's why we're just having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, that's kind of a good segue into less about talking about like whether or not we want to play skull and bones and more about like the, the development hell that it seems to have gone through. I, I do want to talk about that very briefly um, because we, we've been talking about how the game has been in development for like 11 years and it kind of came out as a quadruple a game that has kind of missed the mark a little bit, but it's like, I imagine this game probably did go through like we were talking about this a little bit before, but many, many iterations development had probably started in one thing. And maybe the first three years were, not a single bit of code was ever written. You know, it was like, hey, what do we want this to be? We don't know. We keep changing our mind. Is it Black Flag? Is it not Black Flag? Um, and then it, you know, changed directors a few times. And so the the vision of this game has changed a lot, but it is a live service game. So it's it's it, I'm interested to see where it's going to be, what it's going to become. So we we touched on the fact that like Skull and Bones didn't start off how it is now. And that's one of the cool things about like, dang it. I, dude, I'm. This is really hard for me. Sea of Thieves uh, has progressed, and that's one of the beauties of a live service game, and kind of one of the differences from a live service game from a typical game or even an MMO is that they are constantly updated. They are constantly changing, and I'm really curious to see where this ends up and if it does convince more people to play and updates kind of these quality of life things that people are missing like the map is really small I, you showed me that and um and stuff like that i actually this yeah. brings me to a question yeah. i have i have one question before before we move on or before i shut up is this a fun game to play with other friends i don't know yet can you play with your friends yep parties of three parties of well three. if we get the eight hour eight hour trial i'll definitely try alex is your door open by I, the way <laughs> no but 
Naomi's right there. Can you hear her? <laughs> yeah. Very. Hi, sweetie. Oh, I'm sorry. People Poor are going to be like, this guy's a piece of shit dad. He's just kid just crying. Well, his podcast is doing a really fucking great. podcast. Oh. Help your child. She's going to be hungry. She wants some food. And she can see me through the gate that we have right here. And so she's like, Dad, give me attention. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm Mama sorry. Mama Bear is right there, everyone. She is. She's everyone. not yes, she le- is right leaving there. the kid to cry as he films this podcast. No. <laughs> she's with She's Mom. got her milk. She's got her milk. Um, so one thing <laughs> I, I did a little tiny little deep dive into the Skull and Bones uh, history of development and – it's funny because I was going to say I was going to provide some predictions on the development before looking it up, but it looks like my was kind of pretty much dead on. At this point, it, it appears that this game went through significant shifts in its direction, right? Which is exactly what it seems. Um, like I said at the beginning of our show, the game came out as this sort of like match based ship battling uh you know maybe like a 3v3 ship battle game it it did not have this open world rpg element it appears that there was several shifts and it, it even says here in this wiki article uh that in in 2020 they did a big shift again so it's like it seems like they had no idea where this game was going and they continued to take whatever program or whatever assets they had and reshift them into completely different types of game. Um, I was trying to find this. Let me see here. My eyes are the worst at tracking. Um, it was saying that, sorry, bear with me for a second. Okay. It said, uh, first and foremost, it's been exceeding its budget multiple times. So it's cost them an incredible arm and a leg. It initially was set in the Caribbean. It was moved to the fantastical Hyperborea, and then finally, East Africa and Southeast Asia. So, and currently the game takes place in Africa and Southeast Asia. So there's just like areas they made and designed that absolutely we haven't seen or, you know, pray to God we do see in the future. Um, but yeah, this was a really turbulent uh, development process. Yeah. And I, I you know, I'm, this is this is the rumor mill, but um, I heard somewhere and I, I've got to find the article or whatever that said this, but that like... Originally, they were thinking about canceling the project, but that they yeah. had contracts that basically said they had to complete it. And so um, they just pushed through until it became something, you know, worth playing. Workable. And honestly, props yeah. to them for taking such a turbulent product and or project and ending where it is now, which is a very playable game. It, I think people maybe had set the bar a little high because one, it had been in development for a really long time and they've been talking it up like way too much. Like they should have just shut up honestly and been like, um, you know, waited till it was closer to the end, but they had like hyped it up over those 10 years. And so our, our, uh, our view of this game is a little skewed, but the fact that it came out, it wasn't a terrible launch. I mean, it probably, it definitely wasn't as good as they wanted, right? They definitely wanted to, to come out and just do gangbusters and to be this like massive hit. But it's a terrible launch. Sorry. A new a IP, launch. yeah, like a new IP, like a whole new, which it, it's not, you know. And, yeah. But but let me just say this for the viewers, and maybe we can clip this. Um, if you are looking for a game that encapsulates the assassin's creed black flag fun of roaming around in a ship shooting people having cool pirate battles trading and stealing then yeah it does that it does it pretty good i i, I try it out i try the game if, if you like that 
so uh what is I, I have one one I have another question. What is the like typical loop of this game? Yeah. Okay. So um there's a few things. So there is the quests and side quests and the things we're kind of used to as RPG players. Um and then there's like an end game portion. Um I don't have full details on the end game portion, but it's more thorough than you would expect, which is great. Um so as far as quests go, it's pretty pretty uh pretty typical. You go in, you get a quest from someone. Um the quest will say you need to go plunder this village uh or you need to go hunt down these pirates or you need to get this amount of a particular item the game will then um help you find where that item may be so say it's like a linen cloth there's certain trade routes on the map that you have to discover that'll have excuse me that'll have uh ships that have linen now one part of this game that is actually more interesting than I was expecting it to be is there is some pretty defined factions. You got your like French faction, you have mm-hmm. your like uh, African factions, you have, you know, various whatever, you know, made up made up lands and peoples. Um, and so those factions tend to specialize on certain things. They have supply chains and you can go and interrupt those supply chains, uh, whether you're stealing from their ships or you are trading with them directly. Like I said, you don't have to be a criminal most of the time (laughs) um so uh and then you you complete that task you go back you turn it in you get rewards those rewards Mm -hmm. tend to be in the form of like blueprints which would be like a blueprint for a new cannon or um you know of all the accoutrement you would need a new color set or more uh clothing options and and whatnot and, and so forth um, but, you know, for me, games like this, when it is this traditional RPG, like loot, trying to make my boat as best as possible kind of system, I want to be hunting down the rarest and coolest of pirates and taking their special cannons and taking their special armors. Like, going out and finding those unique things is going to be a really fun part of this game for me. Um, so the gameplay loop, it's super simple. Um, you know, and at sometimes I stop doing quests and I say, you know what, my ship's really weak right now. I need to go see like how i get a better ship Mm -hmm. i'll go i'll find the blueprint i will track all of the materials and i'll go spend like an hour hunting down you know steels and irons and copper and specific things in very very specific locations to then go back and build my ship which Mm -hmm. then makes me significantly more powerful as i've said in the already today several times it's about that feeling like i am building my crew i'm becoming more powerful and i i to to a basic degree they're doing that well well, that sounds awesome. And the fact that you can have that eight hour trial is honestly yeah. very smart of them because that's going to bring a lot of people in. Um, we're kind of hitting the end of our of our show here. So do you have any last thoughts before, before we close yes. up? Not, well, <clears throat> not on Skull and Bones. Go ahead. Skull and Bones closing thoughts. Uh, Skull and Bones closing <laughs> thoughts. Uh, more to come. We're still in the beginning. But, you know, make your own opinions, folks. Make your own opinions. Seven out of ten to me is a seven out of ten means for some people it's going to be a great game. For, for some people, it's not. So you have to make mm-hmm. your own determination based on what you're looking for. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. What? She's a what's, what's the pirate's favorite letter? R. You may think it's the R, but it's actually the C. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was not planned, everyone. That was just good old. <laughs> That was just good. Just dad <laughs> jokes. Um, I, I'm interested, and maybe not, maybe we can download it 
this weekend and play the eight hours together and just see how how it plays out. Um, but thanks for for diving in with us on that. And so now I'm going to go into our pixelatedrealms.org slash ask. And we do have Ooh. a write-in. So this is from Pat, who's our uncle. Uh, <laughs> he says, hey, guys, love the weekly content. Keep it up. Tyler, any thoughts on Tekken 8 adding a shop feature weeks after launch? Do you think it's a sleazy way to add MTX without being in launch reviews or just a way to add future content to keep players interested? Um, wait, hold on. There's more. Good question. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. Sorry, it's like cut off. There we go. I'm sure prices may help determine which. There's mm-hmm. an, there's more to it, but I, I'm going to let you answer that. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's a really good question. Thank you, Patrick. Um, yeah, I I think it's a bit complicated in the sense that I expect these companies to do things like this. I think. Yes, it's a, it's a little weird for them to add it in after the fact and just kind of like slip it in. But I got to just say the foundation of Tekken 8 and and I'm fairly new to the Tekken series myself. So, uh, you know, I hope, uh, you know, if there's veterans out there who have better insight, please feel free to let let us know. The offerings that were presented in Tekken 8 felt very thorough and full and not like I'm getting a beta or any kind of pre-early access game. It felt like a full offerings with the full suite of um, expectations. A lot of the criticisms around Mortal Kombat 1 have been around the fact that uh, it seemed to be released early with about 70% of the stuff done um, and, you know, kind of a big chunk of the game missing. That is not how I felt about Tekken 8 at all. So if they would like to introduce this shop for cosmetics or whatever, you know, various things they want to, they want to sell um i'm more willing to accept it when i feel like i was given a good foundation for my purchase in the first place uh so you know i'm sure you know it, it did i don't have any information on how they're pricing things and kind of how that works um which might skew um a little bit because if it's like 30 bucks for you know something stupid then maybe it is a bit predatory um but i don't really mind it in the meantime i'm I think they deserve a lot of uh, support for the game that they produced. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just been a really fantastic experience and it's a really impressive game. So yeah, if you if you enjoy if you enjoy checking eight, feel free to spend some money on that shop. You know, very cool. Dustin, I, I find uh, your perspective on this. It would be interesting. Do you think that adding a shop after reviews are out is a is kind of a dick move? Yes. Without a doubt. Um, I am actually, I haven't read any articles about it, but I'd be really curious to know if it was something they disclosed to reviewers, uh, media before the game launched. If, like, because when they do like a, a review event, especially a game like Tekken 8, AAA fighting game, they definitely did some kind of review or at least final preview event around the title. Like they usually will like really give a deep dive of everything coming to the game or that's going to be at launch or like that's, that's expected to be coming soon. Like usually they'll even mm-hmm. give a preview of like the first season one content uh, in some high level regard. So I'd be really curious to know if like they told me like, hey, like we are going to be introducing a shop. It's going to be coming out next month, you know, like and given mm-hmm. like, kind of the rundown of some of the items. If that didn't happen, it's definitely sleazy in my opinion. Um, again, I think like what your uncle said, uh, is true too. Like what do the prices look like, you know, um, if things are pretty relatively fairly priced, but if there's like, if they're kind of outrageous, then Mm -hmm. even more scummy, 
But um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so much that goes into launching a AAA title like this um, that has so much hype behind it that if it was not disclosed during to media, either in either at reviews or in a final preview, then it was 100% left out on mm-hmm. purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime you leave something out on purpose and don't disclose it like that, <clears throat> then you're doing it because you know that that's not going to be well-perceived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just want to be clear. We don't know that that happened, but it's just that in that scenario, that's, that's the certainly vast true. majority of AAA games. Everyone I've ever worked on in my 10 year career has some level of preview or review event. So I don't know that one happened for sure, but I would bank, I would bet heavily that one did happen. Okay. I, I can't even get my Tekken eight to launch. So I was going to say, you know. I saw the little steam <laughs> pop up and said, Tyler Slitter was playing Tekken eight. I can't even get it to launch, so maybe I'll have to find out later. Okay, cool. All right, and then I'm going to finish it up. So uh, Hold on, I, hold on. Before we finish, I want to I have a quick rant. Oh, wait, um, wait. We're not done with the question, and then I'll let you rant. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. All right, yeah, and then the rest of it just says, also, Tyler, I'm totally calling you out for not composing an 8-bit intro-outro song for the podcast. <laughs> Put that degree to work. Love you guys, Patrick. <laughs> well, there may be one that you just haven't heard yet. <laughs> that just means Tyler hasn't finished. No, it, it means my it means the exporting process is, is not working well. But stand by. That's all I gotta say. Working on it. <laughs> all right, Dustin, rant away. Okay, so you guys know I'm a big Pokemon Go player. Uh, not as much as I used to be, but I still play Pokemon Go. They had their big Sinnoh uh, Pokemon Go tour event in Los Angeles this week, and it's happening right now as we speak in Pasadena for the people who bought Sunday tickets. And guys, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, Niantic, sorry, Tyler, you almost spit that out. Uh, like, what are you guys doing? Like, I went to Vegas last year, drove out there, got a hotel. Vegas had its own issues, you know, like at the time. At the time, I was like, oh, man, like the food trucks, there's not a lot of food trucks here. The lines are kind of long. You know, it takes away from the, the experience. Um, you know, it was kind of like not sure on like where everything was. But for the most part, you know, like you show up at this big park, you walk in, you play. It wasn't too bad. Uh, fast forward now to L.A. and like, God, you guys made Vegas look like a fucking dream. I mean, like. You can either buy, so this will back up, you could buy a ticket for, to enter or for the Rose Bowl itself, or you could buy a ticket for the golf course by the Rose Bowl. They were not clear that that was simply the entrance into the event. We thought that they were segregated into separate areas to kind of keep crowds under control to find out that that wasn't the case. So we got there at night. It starts at nine. Uh, we got there right at nine. We got a hotel down in Pasadena. And it took an hour and a half to get in the fucking stadium. And there was no line, no signs anywhere. Like the only sign was that we saw and people were laughing about this in line was, was please uh, watch when you're crossing the street. Um, so it was just like park wherever you could. Like they had people parking us on the, on the, on the grass, people p- prepaid for parking. And then we're like, do I get special parking? And they're like, no, just park anywhere. They weren't charging people. But then my wife went in an entrance that did get charged $30, even though I parked, I didn't get charged. Man. Um, like it wasn't clear where the lines were. So yeah, it took an hour and a half to get in. Once you get in, like once you got into the event and it wasn't that bad until you got hungry, because at 12 o'clock I walked over to where the food trucks are three food trucks. Three fucking food trucks. <laughs> well, okay. What's up? Seven. 
Oh, one my. was selling just boba. One was selling just cookies. One was selling like popcorn. And there was only three that had actual. Food. How many people was, were there? At least twenty thousand people. I would wow! Say. Wow! Okay, <laughs> the line for each fucking food truck with food was a hundred and fifty people. It took two and a half hours to get our food. Like from the time we got in line at twelve, we sat down with our food at two thirty. You're at an event that's going from nine to five, and you just spent two and a half hours in that line for food. Is disgusting. Like, it Jesus. was fucking ridiculous. And again, so I didn't know this because I hadn't made my way into the stadium because again, I thought it was segregated. But there was more food in the stadium and the lines were much shorter because when I went in there later on, like you could maybe like 25 people, like you get like a teriyaki bowl. It was still like $20 for a teriyaki bowl. But like so many people didn't know that. So like, or else I can't imagine that you'd be waiting an hour and two and a half hours for fucking roll them up taquitos <laughs> at that restaurant. You know? Wow. Sounds like uh, my experience at Anime Con 2019. Yeah. So, you <laughs> know, Anime like, Expo, sorry. We got out of line or we got our food. I, I spent $15 on literally a three inch brisket sandwich from this place that was so tough. You couldn't even chew through the fucking meat. And like, I'm not even joking. Like, literally could not eat the food. I had to go take it back and be like, you can't eat this. Like, it's literally inedible. And they gave me a pulled pork sandwich instead. But, um, yeah, I mean, it Ow. was just like chaos, and like other people around us were like, "Yeah, I went to Vegas. This, this is fucking terrible here." Like, I flew in from Chicago. This fucking sucks. And like, people, everybody I talked to was just like, "I'm never doing this again." Like, I'm not doing it because this is just awful. Wow. And, you know, as far as I know, and you have more experience, Dustin, than I do. They've never had a successful event for pokemon go i mean since its inception it has just been pure chaos i mean i remember yeah. the news around the chicago the first one in chicago and it just being an an absolute disaster oh, yeah, the as far as it's not working and like there's no internet like it's just overloaded that wasn't an issue here like i was fine like the internet worked fine you know i never had a problem with that but um but yeah it was just super crowded wow um way too busy for the food options um, way too long to get inside. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm never just, doing it. Wow. You know, like, and like the, 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 the fucking masochist of me, part of me is like, oh yeah, I still want to like, I'd still love to go to Chicago one time and do like actual go fest because I just love this game. Don't but do it's it. like, guys, like, like it was $25 a ticket. And then they have add-ons that are like, like five to $15 each. If you want to be able to get like more eggs or, or hatch faster to get the extra things and then it's $20 extra to play the next day and you can just access it anywhere in the city of LA or the LA County so you can just play even if you're not at the Rose Bowl but it's just like so I mean like if you do the add-ons plus a ticket plus the two extra days if you do Friday and Sunday or Friday and Saturday of the uh, citywide like you're spending about $100 a person yeah you know, not no, including money you have no to spend excuse. on items like, in the game to like get incense to access things. So it's very expensive. They either have very, very bad meeting planners or they're trying to be very, very cheap. It's always one or the other. Or both. Yeah. And then the game makes I mean yeah. the game makes so much fucking money. And it's funded, let's just be honest, like Niantic, like everything you guys have made since Pokemon Go has been fucking garbage. Yeah. So I mean, Pokemon Go has funded all these like passion ar projects that have like not come anywhere near the success pokemon go has been um and it just but wow. it feels that yeah. way you know it feels like you guys are just like leveraging pokemon 
getting a, your bag and like not really like ensuring that these are great experiences for people, yeah. you know, do better Niantic. Yeah. Do better. And I want to think that they're trying to do better. You know, I don't know because I, you know, better than me on this, but like, I'm sure like planning these kind of events is fucking nightmare. You know, yeah, like, it's a nightmare. I mean, it absolutely is a nightmare, but you, it, I mean, this isn't the first you have one. An ex- yeah. You have an excuse <laughs> on the first one because it's such a new idea. And like, yes, they need to deploy like internet. Like there's so many things of this, this, the event technology aspects of this program that are incredibly difficult. Don't get me wrong, but that is it, it nine times out of 10 in my experience. And unfortunately I have a lot of experience in this. It's either the organization is not willing to input enough resources to make it happen, or they're just completely incompetent in planning these types of events. Yeah, um, here's the thing, too, yeah. because the game itself, like everything around the game that like the Niantic developers were actually responsible for, solid. Like the gameplay, like they had different like things you could be doing, like but it's like the actual event. That was fucking like, like, like I actually ended up yelling at the, some parking people because I finally found the line by, by some miracle. There was like 12 people, like literally standing in a big circle, all parking attendants. And I was like, the fuck are you guys doing? Like, there's like a yeah. hundred thousand. I was like, of like, you know, blowing it up. Like, it's a hundred thousand people walking around this damn event right now with no idea where to go. No idea where the line is. No idea how to do here. anything. And you guys are all standing in a circle. Like, well, we're just responsible for parking. I was like, dude. Like, yeah, come on. the like, parking situation sucks. Yeah. You know? And then, um, again, like, same thing. Like, once you get inside, like, and you see, like, Niantic Seas or whoever the fuck is, there's 150 people in these three lines each. Like, you don't want to have someone go over there or, like, even a sign that you guys could have put. Like, there's more food in the fucking stadium, everyone. Like, yeah. more food in there. You don't have to wait two and a half hours. Like, you might not know, but there's a shit ton of options inside. You know, like just simple things like that to enhance the user experience. They would just make it so much better. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like they should know this by now. And there's always so, and I'm usually this person. There's always someone who's being called off the hook, being told about these bad guest experiences. So they they know these things are happening, and a good planner will find a way to convey that information i i don't to me here this would be my best guess complete speculation i bet you they hire a planner to do it they they try to make it happen it goes terribly wrong that planner says i'm never working with you guys again and then they just have a new planner every single time honestly that's that's probably crazy something like that and and either that or they're so incredibly cheap and their budget is so that they're not giving any room to work with so that's another Mm -hmm. thing that happens in this world a lot so someone will say you know, in my world, I do audiovisual equipment. They'll say, wow, the AV, uh, there's, you know, there's not, it's not very impressive, is it? And in my head, I might say like, yeah, well, the person said they had $5 when they needed $500,000. So this is the $5 setup, you know? Yeah. So there's a yeah. lot of ways to look at it. Um, but it's like we did a should... concert, right? And like the first band's audio is really shitty. And right. as it, like the better the band gets, like the audio gets better and better. <laughs> um, and, and so the point being, though, is that they should have learned from their experiences by now and been able to offer something that meets the amount of crowd sizes they're expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's something critically wrong with their event planning process. And, uh, you know, I wish it, they could have created a national phenomenon that lasted for years and been continuously 
in the spotlight, but they got the national phenomenon for a couple months and then they dropped it. So, you know, I hope they enjoyed their 15 minutes of fame. Popular. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's been like seven years and like this event's still sold out. And so, yeah, there was like 20,000 people there at least. But I think like the thing that also frustrates me too, like my, my last point is like, you look at like, so like, I'm going to compare this like NFL, right? Like you sometimes have like a great coach who can plan, but then like they just get smoked in the first half and they just, they can't make halftime adjustments. They cannot do any real time coaching of like, I need to be able to sit here and strategize. I can't just come up with decisions in the, on the fly. Like that's, what's frustrating to me because like, if you're like working at Niantic or you're, you know, you're running that event and you're down there in LA and like, you see those lines, how do you not just at that moment, like say like, Hey, Stacy or Jake, like, let's go over there and start telling people that there's way more food options inside. Like, let's just go over there on the fly. Like, let's just start fucking announcing to you. There's more food inside, more food inside. You know, like how does like someone not think like on the, in the moment to take one or two people of like probably 50 plus people working that event and just say, go over there and tell people in the food truck lines that there's more options. That's that's a whole uh, that's a conversation right. I could dig into, but I think I'm going <laughs> to cut you guys off there. We've been we've been ranting about this for a good amount of time. Always ending on a planning. high note. It yeah. sucks. We're ending on a high note here, right? Uh, no. So thank you everybody for listening. Don't forget to follow or subscribe to be notified when we post new episodes every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on podcast services and YouTube. You can also find us on Instagram, Threads, and YouTube at Pixelated Realms Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you guys.